Welcome to CrossFit East 10 Over the Bar Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to answer common questions and encourage conversation between coaches, members, and the community. Prep and recovery tools, uh, I would say probably every gym, just like ours, just has a corner that people just go and uh, manipulate themselves. Uh, for better or for worse, uh, that's kind of what it is. I mean, I've heard a lot of gyms refer to mobility corners, um, mobility rooms, all of those sort of things. Uh, so for us, that generally falls into a um, corner where we've got uh, foam rollers and PVC pipes, we've got lacrosse balls, we've got uh, peanuts, we've got bands, uh, we've got a multitude of options back there. And they all definitely have a time and a place. And sometimes it's about understanding what is that time and what's that place for you as an individual. and learning how to incorporate those and utilize them in more strategic ways. Um, and then along with that, there's other options we have as it comes to prep and recovery. When we think about things like uh, electronic stem machines, uh, the Normatec suits, uh, and then going as far as uh, physical therapy, um, chiropractors, massage therapists, all of the sort of stuff that generally gets called body work. Uh, and falls into that larger umbrella. And I think there's definitely room for all of those things. Um, I don't know that you need all of those things. Um, and we'll kind of figure out what are the strategies that we want to utilize there. Um, and what's our options when we think about prep and recovery. Um, so one of the very uh, strong opinions that I have when it comes to uh, this sort of equipment is Basically, if you are someone who works out, let's say before uh, 9 a.m., so 9 a.m. is what we'll kind of call the cutoff, uh, you probably don't need to get on a foam roller or a lacrosse ball or anything that has you in a horizontal position before you're working out in the morning. You've most likely just gotten out of bed. Um, Your body, we're trying to get it into an aroused state or a heightened state. And as soon as you lay back down, um, just like whenever you are at home and you're not working out that day and you wake up and you go grab something real quick and then you're going back to bed or you get a drink or um, you know you go to the restroom, all those sort of things. As soon as you lay back down, your body's ready to go back to sleep. So if you come in, you're working out at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and the first thing you do is go and lay down on uh, the roller, you're just putting your body back in that parasympathetic state. Um, it's gonna think, hey, we're going back to sleep, and all the stuff that you've done up to that point, whether that's drinking coffee, whether that is moving around, um, breathing, getting yourself kind of going, is going in reverse. Um, so even if it is something where you know it's just like a habit you've had forever and ever, and that's the thing you do, we wanna think about other options to kind of prepare yourself. And in most cases, for someone that's working out at that time, that's most often going to be getting on a bike, going for a light jog, um, doing some really basic movement prep work, and thinking about your warm-up in that sense. Um, So those sort of tools are not going to be very good from a warm-up perspective. And what I would encourage you to do is to find some movement practices that are going to benefit you from position of perspective, uh, the perspective of positions, the perspective of um, kind of activating muscles and all that sort of stuff. So that's thinking about things like um, 
waiter squats with a kettlebell where you've got a kettlebell in one arm and you're having to activate your core and brace. You're trying to put yourself in a better position to squat. Um, we're thinking about overhead presses, whether that is with a kettlebell, whether that's like a landmine press where you've got a barbell on the ground. Um, all this stuff where we're trying to get very kind of universal movement patterns going and firing. Um, doing that sort of stuff to prepare you. Um, and it keeps you in an upright position, um, doesn't put your body back into that sort of rest and digest period, um, and encourages you to kind of get moving. So as a prep tool, those things are going to be, um, in my opinion, fairly useless in that regard. Um, as a recovery tool afterwards, it's definitely something that you can consider and utilize. So. Um, post-workout, so we're still talking about that early morning crew here, so post-workout, um, getting into uh, foam rollers. Um, foam rollers aren't generally going to do a whole lot as far as making um, noticeable change when it comes to tissue. Just think about what you're doing. Um, if you had, let's say that you had um, a loaf of bread that you were making, so you've got the dough on a cutting board or on a countertop and you take a rolling pin to that, what does that do? Um, does it materially change what's happening with the dough or does it just kind of mash it and spread it out? Um, I think that most of us can agree it's just going to mash it and spread it out. And if we're thinking about changing tissue, that's what a foam roller is going to do is it's not about moving tissue or making tissue more loose or um, balancing your spine after deadlifts and all this sort of stuff that it frequently gets utilized for. Um, it's mostly just to encourage blood flow and the flow of water through your system. So when you're doing that, anytime that you're on a roller, you should only actively be on that roller as the roller is moving towards your heart. Okay, so we're trying to encourage that stuff to flow into your heart so that way you can then sort of move again and get into where it's being cleaned up, moving through your system, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, if I'm thinking about this, if I'm on my hamstrings or my quads, for example, so I'm uh, in a prone position, faces down towards the ground, and I've got foam roller on my quads. As I am rolling my leg back, but that roller is coming further up my leg, that's when I'm putting um, the most pressure on that roller. As I go back, um, I just want to ease that tension from it. I don't want to keep mashing it forward and backward because then you're just literally moving water back and forth in your system and we're not getting kind of the recovery that we want out of it you want to always be moving that towards your heart you know so obviously if i've got uh, my arm up overhead and i'm working through my lat as i'm coming up towards my armpit i'm putting a lot of pressure through there and then i can continue up to my armpit and then as i reach my armpit I want to ease that as I'm maybe getting into my tricep and then as I come back down, the opposite is going to be true. I want to really push down against my tricep and then ease into my lat as it's heading down towards my hip. So uh, foam rollers from that perspective have a lot of value from the perspective of you thinking that's going to make your positions in a squat better, um, that it's going to balance out your spine after you've been doing um, dog in the park uh, deadlifts. Um, that's not going to be a lot of value for you because it's not making the change that you're interpreting it to make. Um, it can ease some tension and stuff like that as you're feeling that, but it doesn't make a kind of a material change. Um, lacrosse balls, uh, a little bit less so, they're going to be similar in that regard, but lacrosse balls, since we've got a more pointed um, tool or implement in that situation, they can make a little bit of material change. But most of the time, that's going to be something that is going to be uh, fairly short-lived. You know, so if we're doing, let's say that we're getting ready to go um, overhead, we're doing jerks or we're doing presses up overhead, um, taking a little cross ball before a workout and you know maybe going up to a wall, 
um, matting and mashing that down on your chest, um, on your lats, into your scaps. Um, it can do some very positive things as far as getting your body prepped, um, moving that tissue around, getting it to start firing, um, and making that change in the moment. But long term, it's not going to make a big difference. Um, so as long as we're not using that as a tool to make material change, then we're going to be pretty good as far as that goes. So in a prep perspective, that's how we'd want to utilize that. From a recovery perspective, um, you can use it almost as a massage or, you know, if you think about like the uh, massage chairs at Brookstone and all that sort of stuff. Lacrosse ball is going to be very similar to that in the sense that it's going to be a little bit more pointed tool that we can utilize um, to kind of move tissue around, help relieve some of that tension, some of that stress. And then after that tissue has been warmed up, it can move it around a little bit. But again, you're still mashing something that's just a little bit um, less dull than the roller, but still much more dull than kind of the um, other utilities that we can use um, to make that sort of change happen. So recovery it can help kind of clear that stuff up, but just understand there's a caveat to how we're utilizing that. Um, so those are the things you're going to most commonly see like in a gym scenario or going to be lacrosse balls. Um, rollers and then we've got bands that we can utilize as well um, same kind of thing I think bands can be very useful from an activation perspective so if we think about like lateral band walks and monster walks those can be super super useful for getting your glutes firing um, and but I would put those more in the perspective of putting that in the course of um, the stuff I mentioned earlier like the waiter squats and landmine presses um, put together just like a circuit or three rounds for time or three rounds for quality excuse me where you're doing um, a minute on the bike or you're running a lap around the track um, and then you're doing those other pieces to prepare yourself for what you're doing um, more so than thinking you know if I take this band and I wrap it around my ankle and kind of flex my ankle back and forth 10 or 15 times I'm magically gonna have like this really upright torso and an overhead squat it can help activate um, and get that stuff moving and kind of flossing it and doing some positive stuff with it and can help with preparation, can help with recovery. But over time, our focus, what we want that to be is constantly trying to put ourselves into better positions, more favorable positions. If that's helping you do that in the course of a workout, perfect. Um, if it's what you're using to utilize, I need to make myself feel better after a workout, it's a little bit more of a question of are you using this for the right intent um, so if it gives you that sense of recovery post-workout then I would say to do it limit it um, so that you can utilize your time with some other more beneficial practices um, because it has a time and a place but it's not something that we want to utilize as kind of a crutch as it comes to prep and recovery um, so as the next portion of that, we've got the stuff that kind of happens outside of the gym. So this is going to be things like uh, Epsom salt baths. This is going to be things like um, some of the supplements that we've talked about before and we won't get into um, too much here. That's going to be things like electronic stem, um, Normatech, um, you know, potentially like uh, saunas, um, jacuzzis, um, ice baths, all of those sort of other means of recovery and what's the incorporation for those. And what I would say that both from experience and from things that I hear, things that I read, a lot of those sort of things, that is use at your own discretion. Um, so um, ice water baths are the thing that I think can be really useful in some regards, and then in some regards they can be really useless. Um, I know that my first experience with that whenever I was in college, um, the first time that I'd had um, two days, 
as a college basketball player, um, we were on Christmas break, and it was, I mean, I was just run down after like three days of two-a-days. Um, in the middle of our season, you know, we're on campus for Christmas break. There's nothing going on, and I'm just like, the only thing I'd been doing was just going back to the dorm room, either laying down and playing video games or eating or whatever. And at that point, my body got really, really beat up. Um, so I started incorporating ice baths between sessions uh, and felt some immediate effects from that, um, probably from reducing in- inflammation throughout uh, kind of tissue that was in my body. Um, probably some of it placebo from just doing something that was new and different and kind of getting that excitatory um, rush that you get from cold water. Uh, so that was my first experience with it. And it's something that, you know, if you watch any of the behind the scenes at the games, um, videos and that sort of stuff, um, and then even in my experiences um, coaching an athlete in that environment, um, that was something that those athletes are using constantly. Um, and I think that there was use for that, uh, especially in California, just to get out of the heat that they were experiencing in that environment um, and then reducing inflammation. But I don't think that for the athletes at that level that that's the thing that's helping them recover most from a workout. Um, they may tell you different. Um, that might be their experience. That might be the thing they interpret as making the biggest difference from them or for them. But in my understanding, most of what you're doing there is, uh, this is going to be very similar to the foam roller and that kind of stuff, is you're making, um, you're giving yourself an immediate response to what you've done and the exercise that you've done. It helps you kind of come down from that, uh, but it doesn't, again, make any sort of significant material change. Um, so we want to utilize that in that sort of way. But going into the same sort of thing is we think about like contrast showers, um, cold showers in the morning, all of that sort of stuff, that can make a very different sort of response because what you're doing is you're putting yourself in an environment where your body's being stimulated to do some different things um, hormonally, um, functionally, and the way that your body's moving blood and all that sort of stuff, and you're changing your perception of what's going on. So in that regard, you're helping your prep and your recovery because you're putting your body into a situation where it's more prepared for changes in environment. So going from warm or hot into very cold um, and then back from that cold once you get out of the shower into a more warm environment. Um, You're helping your body's adaptation to stress by as soon as you feel all of that, those endorphins and everything rush through your body, your body is going to be more accustomed to responding to those environments. So if you're in an environment training where you're cold or where you're very hot, your body becomes more adept at um, allevi- or allowing itself to become accustomed to that environment and then moving forward from there can make a very big difference. Um, saunas are very similar in the sense that, you know, post-workout is something that can help kind of uh, put your body into a more relaxed state. And then as we think about getting that warmer and warmer, turning up the heat there, then we have the possibility of becoming more adapted to stressful environments. So um, sauna work, um, both hot and cold, as it comes to the ice baths or something, that's becoming pretty popular because it's, it's being used really, really closely with breathing work and helping your body understand kind of how to find homeostasis in very extreme environments. Um, even though most of us don't get exposed to those sort of extreme environments, um, it's ways to help your body adapt to stress which is critical as it comes to um, the benefits, as it comes to exercise, training, working out, all those sort of factors. Um, So those two, I think, have the most um, potential value depending upon how you're utilizing it. Um, And then we've got the other tools as it comes to like salt baths, um, Epsom salt baths, 
um, and then ESTEM, uh, Normatech, all those sort of things. So um, first one I'll talk about is going to be kind of the more inexpensive option here and the most readily uh, useful is going to be Epsom salt baths. And basically what you do is you just make a uh, bathtub, get the water as hot as you can withstand for about 10 to 15 minutes, um, knowing that it's going to cool during the time that you're in that water. And you put about two cups of Epsom salt um, into that bath. And what you're doing is you're exposing your body magnesium, uh, which is super, super useful as it comes to recovery. Um, and at the same time, you're putting yourself in an environment that's most of the time going to be uh, very relaxing. Um, so from that perspective, from the immediate training benefit, I think that that has a lot of usefulness and it's something that's been used over and over and over again in different sports, um, different environments, float tanks, all that sort of stuff. It's the same general idea. Um, and it just takes your body from a more stressed state into a less stressed state. Um, whether that is muscle inflammation, whether that is simply you just you becoming more relaxed, that's usually where you're going to see the benefit as it comes to Epsom salt baths. So personally, I think there's a lot of value in that and has a lot of usefulness for just about anybody who's active and moving. Um, and that doesn't have to be something that's done on a daily basis. It can be done something that's done once a week. You know, once you know that your last training day of the week is Friday or Saturday, whatever that might be, then take an Epsom salt bath at the end of the week. Um, if you uh, feel especially run down, do that during uh, during the week between what would be your rest day or your recovery day. So let's say you train Monday through Wednesday, you take Thursday off. So Wednesday night or Thursday during the day, um, look to take an Epsom salt bath. And then the same thing um, at the end of the day, Saturday or on Sunday, if you're resting on those particular days. Um, super inexpensive. You can get uh, pretty big bags of it on uh, Amazon for fairly cheap. Um, they have it at Sam's Club. I mean, it's, it's pretty much available everywhere because it can be utilized for feeding plants and all sort of other purposes. Um, so um, as a sort of a foray into getting into those recovery practices, I would encourage everybody to at least try it uh, because there's definitely a very low barrier to entry and um, has much more potential benefit than what the cost is for that tool. Um, so moving into the next uh, sort of step there is going to be uh, the electronic stem machines. So that's going to be things like um, Compex, uh, PowerDot, um, Mark Pro, and um, then generally what you'll typically see at a chiropractor or massage therapist or physical therapist office um, that are usually not as recognized within the community, but still do the same practice. And there's all kinds of different options and bells and whistles that come along with those. But effectively what you're doing with um, that East End machine is you're trying to uh, put a little bit of shock into your system through the actual electronic stimulation and encourage blood flow into an area. Um, and then you're also contracting muscles. So in some ways, this can be really useful for um, someone who maybe has an injury, like an acute injury. Let's say they've got, um, they've had to have uh, shoulder surgery, you know, whether that's a rotator cuff or labrum, whatever. Um, the E-STEM can be really useful for engaging that musculature so that you don't experience as much atrophy as it comes to uh, the experience of recovering from those sort of acute injuries or surgeries or things of that regard. So you're still activating and stimulating those muscles. Might not be the range of motion, might not be the movement you typically experience, but it has the opportunity to kind of keep those muscles engaged so that they don't just completely fall apart and you're starting at square one to begin with. Um, so recovering from something acute like that, um, ESTEM has the opportunity to play a huge role. Um, and then thinking about post-workout, 
it's the same sort of thing that we want to think about is we're still encouraging blood flow. We want to encourage that muscle to continue to contract. So let's say that you've done, uh, let's use Karen as an example. So you've got 150 wall balls for time. Uh, it's going to be pretty taxing on your quads for just about everyone. Um, could be your shoulders, could be whatever the case would be, but without a, without a question, your quads are going to get pretty, uh, torched during the course of that workout. So using an e-stem, uh, probably within, we'll say about 30 minutes of finishing that workout, what we're going to do is we can put um, the pads or the electrode pads on your quads, um, get the e-stem fired up or if it's connected to your phone for Bluetooth, get that fired up. And then we're just trying to get as much blood flowing into your legs as possible. Um, that's going to be fresh blood because it's experiencing that simulation from um, the unit itself and getting that in there so that way we can get your muscle to get oxygenated blood, get that muscle recovering as quickly as possible and trying to take that and turn it into something where you're not gonna be incredibly sore for the next couple of days, um, unable to train, unable to work out, but utilizing e-stem in that sense. Um, and it can also be used as a prep tool in the sense that, you know, if we're encouraging blood flow, we're encouraging muscles to begin activating and begin firing, uh, it has a lot of opportunity for that. And I know that a lot of those uh, companies like uh, PowerDot, MarkPro, um, and Compex have within their apps um, or within kind of the guidebooks that they have is they have some specific strategies that you can utilize for prep or for recovery um, and just sort of the particular phases that that stimulation goes through. Um, so those will range anywhere from probably about $150 up to $1,000. Um, and then kind of the next step up from that is the Normatex suits, um, which just look like you're kind of like the Michelin man with huge um, sleeves on your arms, huge sleeves on your legs. You just, you're encouraged to sit down in a chair and it's doing the same thing, but it's doing it in a much more global sense in that it is um, restricting or constricting on your arms to encourage that blood flow and then releasing and constricting and releasing and doing the things that we want to do with those other tools. Um, but it's, again, it's going to be kind of the next step up, uh, more expensive. Uh, I don't know the cost of it off my head, so I'm not going to speculate, but I'm thinking it's in the three to $4,000 range. Starting. Um, yeah, starting. Yeah. So something that's much more expensive, but if you're in an environment where it's available or a facility where it's available, um, it can be very useful. Um, I know that just from, uh, I think that does, um, Ben Bergeron comp train, they use them pretty regularly, don't they? Training Think Tank uses them. Um, I know they always have a booth at the games and those sort of things. So a lot of top-level athletes talk about them as far as CrossFit goes, and it's, it's available in other spaces as well. Um, and I, I guess I remember at the games in 20... No, at regional, regionals of the games one, 2016, um, Pure Pharma set up a huge like recovery tent, and it was just like gentle music playing, um, a little bit of climate-controlled um, area, and then they just had chairs of Normatech set up everywhere. And people were constantly in those things. So um, the athletes who are experiencing that um, are obviously continuing to go back to it. Uh, so I think that it has some value just from that perspective, even if it is a placebo. Uh, it seems to be doing some favorable work with those particular organizations. So I think that there's something there. Um, as far as finite data out on it yet, I've not seen anything that says, like, yes, this is absolutely a thing that you should invest in. Um, but absolutely take advantage of it if it's available for you. Um, and then the last thing we've got is going to be something where we're kind of trying to intentionally make a material change. And that's going to be going to see a chiro, a physical therapist, massage therapist, 
and doing um, some practices there to try to make some very distinct change, whether that is recovering from uh, an injury, comes from the kind of creeps up regularly, or just trying to help yourself get into better positions. You're going to have somebody that can um, physically manipulate your tissue and put it into positions that are going to be a little bit better than that. So um, physical therapist, that's going to be someone, if we're trying to change movement patterns, is going to be a really good option. Um, so just the actual motor recruitment pattern, uh, physical therapists are going to be kind of your go-to there. Um, so whether that's someone you trust or someone you have experience with or someone you're referred to, you want someone that's going to be able to kind of understand the positions that you want to get into um, or that you're demanding of your body and then have some pretty distinct strategies on how that, you, how that goes and how you can uh, incorporate that, whether that's a warm-up strategy, whether that is a cool-down strategy, whether it's a particular protocol they put together for you. Um, they're going to be really, really, really useful from that perspective. So it's not just like, only after you've recovered um, that you should consider seeing a PT. Um, there are some other options there as well. So, but you want to find somebody that's not going to be uh, harsh or judgmental about what you're doing, and they've just got some negative um, feelings towards whether that's CrossFit or bodybuilding or whatever you're doing, because they they're not going to be able to they're not going to be willing to listen and incorporate kind of what you need as much as someone who's going to be more empathetic towards what you're doing or have a better understanding in that regard. So. With those sort of professionals, we want someone that kind of knows where we are, whether they do it or not. You want them to be able to understand where you're coming from instead of them just putting you into a pattern for, let's say, somebody that's had a knee injury that needs to squat again versus someone who says, hey, I've got issues with terminal knee flexion and because of that, it puts me into a position where my knees cave in whenever I squat and they're not able to help do that because they're just gonna have you in the same protocol as someone who's recovering from a surgery, and those are in very on very different ends of the spectrum um, as far as what we're trying to accomplish. So just be aware of that as you're thinking about those sort of professionals. Um, and then we've got chiros and massage therapists, which are gonna be, um, I think, probably a little bit more common as it comes to CrossFit, just because um, they're most often associated with kind of the I'll say like the little niggles or the aches and pains that are associated with just physical activity. Um, whether that's as a CrossFit athlete, whether that's a professional athlete, um, whether that's someone who is just moving a lot day to day, um, those two uh, very often go together and they're there to make the most of what they can with sort of soft tissue um, and with some specific strategies they can use, whether that is um, scraping, whether that's dry needling, whether that's cupping, um, that's kind of up to what does that practice offer and what are the things that they uh, kind of go by or what they see offers the most change. And then utilizing them to help recover from those perspectives. So um, let's say that it's something where you just constantly got an issue with your um, SI joint, your sacroiliac joint, um, and it crops up every time that you've got um, kettlebell swings or you've got heavy rep deadlifts or something because you just don't end up bending your knees as much as you'd like and you get in this really kind of severe hinging pattern, uh, that can cause some issues in uh, that particular joint that may or may not show themselves as like sciatica type things, um, but it makes hinging very, very difficult. So what you want to do is you want to be able to express that to um, those practitioners 
and help them understand what might be going on and then help them sort of get to the bottom of, or have them help you get to sort of the bottom of what is the cause of that. So is it soft tissue that's blocking it? Is it a movement um, dysfunction? Is it simply that you're just not understanding how the movement should go? And in a lot of ways, those uh, practitioners should be able to help in that regard. Um, and then they should have some specific strategies that comes to that. Um, so I know that there are some uh, PTs and chiropractors uh, that work pretty closely with uh, CrossFit gyms, and there are some that even establish themselves within CrossFit gyms, and they'll offer uh, some some ability as far as like putting together a package of sessions uh, that you can purchase um, that doesn't necessarily have to be through insurance or something like that. Um, but a lot of insurance companies um, will give you the opportunity to see a, a Cairo for like 10 sessions or something like that over the course of a year, and then there's going to be a cost associated with seeing them. So it could be something where it is. Uh, potentially a very high cost um, but I think that from my experience and things that I've seen um, a lot of people if they're super active and engaged in some type of sport probably seeing a Cairo massage therapist once every two to three weeks is going to be pretty useful um, just to kind of have someone take be able to take a, a look from the outside and see something that might be going on with tissue maybe before it happens as they get more familiar with you um, but also someone that you can constantly talk to about the things that are happening from a movement perspective and they can potentially help you um, get your body more prepared to go into a workout so that way all of the stuff that comes to getting into that workout, recover from that workout, become a much more doable process. Um, so thinking about cost as it comes to that and time, there's definitely both of those com components that come into it that are less accessible than the other two tools that we mentioned. But having someone who can look at you from a professional perspective and give you a sense of what's maybe going on and then help you have more longevity or more ability to get into better positions long term is only going to increase your ability to train um, and to get the most out of what it is that you're actually uh, doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So there's several options in there and just look at what are, what's the barrier to entry that causes the least option or causes... Um, the least as sort of a wall for you to get into that. Give it a shot. Try changing some different strategies as it comes to um, prepping for a workout, recovering from a workout, and really think about what works and what doesn't work. Where am I actually seeing change versus where do I perceive change? So get on a roller or go to a mirror, squat, get on a roller, get off the roller, look in the mirror, squat. Did I see any change? No. Well, I probably don't need to do that. Or if you do see change, maybe it's something that has some value, but use more than just kind of your perception. Use what you're seeing as sort of physical change to make the determination on, is this something that's worth my time, worth my energy, worth my money, and sort of go from there. Um, as you're thinking about different ways that you can utilize uh, all of these tools for prep and recovery.